0: Welcome to the Genki Cupboard Podcast for September 2018. I'm Matthew Tin and this is my bi-monthly or so podcast talking about anime, manga, Japanese music, games and everything else Japan. In this month's podcast, I'll be previewing the Scotland Loves Anime lineup, which I shall hopefully report back from in November's podcast. In Idle Time I'll take a look at where Ikatsu graduates have been heading. As Miho and Senna take to the stage with their unit Mina. And in the game brain, we'll be looking at all the news around Tokyo Game Show, including the pre TGS Nintendo Direct and the PlayStation lineup tour event. So that's all to come, but first, how can you get in touch with us? You can do this by hitting us up on Twitter at GenkiGubbard or on Facebook, also at Genki Cupboard. You can also email us at contact at cupboard.co.uk. We're open to requests and messages of support, so if you want to get a mention on the podcast, just give us a shout. For those of you who just joined us, welcome. I've been doing these podcasts for quite some time now by uploading them to Mixcloud, well, I usually take a more radio show style, playing music and stuff like that. But to reach a wider audience, I'm going to be uploading this to other platforms as well. So the Mixcloud version will still have music, but to avoid stuff like copyright claims, I'll be stripping that out for other versions. So if you want to hear my latest music recommendations, go to our Mixcloud page, we are at Ginky Cupboard on there as well, But if you're not listening on Mixcloud and you just want to hear me ramble about anime, stick with what you're listening to right now. First up though is our new show starter section, Now Playing. This mainly started as a music podcast, so I'm still keeping the music features and bringing some of those things more to the forefront as I use this to introduce what I've been listening to lately. This month that's fallen down to Perfume, as I've picked up their latest album, Future Pop. This was released last month, but I've only just got round to buying it a few weeks ago. In terms of where it sits in Perfume's repertoire, Future Pop is one of their weaker albums in my opinion. Coming off the back of Cosmic Explorer, which was a fantastic album with lots of good tracks and built on a great concept, Future Pop is a bit for disappointment. While there are a couple of good tracks like Tokyo Girl, which was their prominent track at last year's NHK Kohaku, and the Kieri Pamu Pamu-esque Tiny Baby, it all comes across as a little bland and unimaginative. There's a lot of doubling down on the instrumental sections in many of the songs, and it feels like less of perfume performing, and more of them assisting their producer Yasutaka Nakata, and even then he's kind of cheaped out in places, using samples from tracks he's previously produced. Um, Tiny Baby in particular sounds a lot like uh, Kieri's Kimi no Mikata, for example. So this isn't one I'm that fond of, and I'll probably stick to Level 3 and Cosmic Explorer for my perfume fix. But uh, let's just hope Carrie's new album is a better effort for Nakata. It's out now. I've just got it delivered basically yesterday from when I'm recording this. But um, I haven't uh, listened to it yet, so... um, Let's hope that's a lot better than this uh, effort from Perfume. So, we now have the full lineup for Scotland Loves Anime 2018, the popular anime film festival, uh, for both the Glasgow and Edinburgh weekends. I'll be at Edinburgh, so I've got a hotel, I've got tickets, I've got trains, everything's booked and all ready to go. But, yeah. Um, I thought I'd run down the films at this year's festival and let you know what I'm really looking forward to. I'll go into each film in a lot more depth um, when I do the November podcast and I'll go through what I liked about them, what I did like about them, what was good, what was a Badori gusco. So yeah, um, let's get started. And um, One of the big themes at this year's festival is a focus on Mamoru Hosoda and we've got all of his previous major films during the week in Edinburgh in the run up to the main weekend so this is the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday kind of area um, where they usually put on like one film in the evening and that will take up to the main start of the festival on the Friday so we have The Girl Who let Through Time Summer Wars, Wolf Children, and The Boy and the Beast. Several of these have been shown at SLA before, and they've always got a good reception, so it's good to see them back, really. Summer Wars is my favourite of these. Really amazing film. I haven't seen Boy and the Beast, as I refuse to support Studio Canal's releases, Nothing well, personal of course, but I feel that film was really badly supported by them in the UK and frankly it deserved better. But of course, despite all these great Hosoda films this is all to run up to Mirai which is also known as Mirai no Mirai or Mirai of the future. This is screening at both Glasgow and Edinburgh And it's Hosoda's latest film and explores a kid's jealousy when he gets a newborn sister and he goes on a timey-wimey adventure with a version of uh, From the Future. This has got quite a bit of media coverage, as you'd imagine, really. And from what I've seen, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really interested in the music for this, actually, as the composer lives in this little mountain village somewhere. And he composed all the soundtrack for the film in this small house um, in basically the middle of the forest. And he's got chickens and animals that he keeps outside and stuff like that. So from a musical perspective, that's going to be really fascinating to get stuck into. Um, Soda, of course, really big name. And, uh, as I say, I do like quite a few of his other films. Summer Wars, uh, Digimon, um, and uh, Wolf Children. Although I've only seen Wolf Children once, um, but Summer Wars is a film that I always go back to. So, Mirai, really looking forward to it. This is the first of what you would call the big films of the festival. And there's usually a set of these each year, like the Your Name and Silent Voice combo in 2016, or the Masaki Iwasa block last year. This year is basically a set of three. You've got Mirai, Penguin Highway, and I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. Previously, these have usually been more family-oriented films, so for example, Lou Over the Wall last year, extremely family friendly Mirai seems quite the same, family friendly film, and again for Penguin Highway Penguin Highway sounds pretty kooky I'd, I'd say really from what uh, I've seen the synopsis uh, I've got up here, let's uh, have a read of this synopsis to see why I think it's actually kooky Aoyama is a serious ten-year-old boy who records all of his day-to-day experiences in his notebook. One day in May, penguins inexplicably appear in his hometown, despite being located a long way from the sea. When Aoyama sees big sis, or an chan a young woman who works at the dentist's office drop a soft drink, which inexplicably turns into a penguin, He decides to investigate and resolve the mystery behind these strange events. Together with his classmates, Ariama happens upon a strange phenomena, which is surely the key to these goings-on. Will their investigation bear fruit? And just how is Big Sis linked to these occurrences? So that's basically a slightly modified excerpt of the synopsis from the website and it sounds like a proper lighthearted film and quite a... quite a comedy, quite a funny one Um there's lots of weird things going on with uh, penguins and this woman dropping this soft drink and um, it t- suddenly turned into a penguin like, how in the world does a soft drink turn into a penguin? And magic happens but yeah, this sounds like a really kooky, strange, weird one and uh, it, sh- it should be a lot of fun It's it definitely sounds a lot of fun um, I don't think this will be a good contender for the awards because basically Mirai is going to get everything it's such a big film that it's just going to sweep the awards this year that's my prediction judges award, audience award will go to Mirai but there may be an upset. Maybe people like Penguin Highway. Maybe people like I Want To Eat Your Pancreas. And speaking of I Want To Eat Your Pancreas, this one is a bit of a feels one. So it's a tragic romantic drama about a girl who's dying of pancreatic disease. And she develops a relationship with this boy in her class and it's about them basically hooking up and they're trying to do a you're like in April kind of thing where they, they they clearly love each other but she's gonna die so how does it affect him this one could be hit or miss and I haven't read up on anything of this month's Japanese theatrical run to avoid spoilers but it seems like Japan's big anime film of the autumn so we'll just have to see what it's like looking at franchise films we have three no four 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 franchise films this year uh, two of which are my hero academia the two heroes and fate's day night heavens feel Pressage flower uh, these are both screening at edinburgh and glasgow while franchise films can be bad and i know festival director, Andrew Partridge, has some reservations about including them in the festival lineup. They do attract big audiences. Like when individual sale Glasgow tickets went live, the My Hero Academia film sold more than every other film combined in the first few hours or something stupid like that. I don't know if it was the first few hours, it might be first few days, um I dunno. But basically it was stupid. It was like, sold so much. And uh, currently, at time of recording, uh, Glasgow has sold out for MHA, and I think Edinburgh is very, very close to it. But this is mightily impressive, considering I hear from people who have seen it when it was uh, shown at a certain US convention, that it's a pretty dismissible shounen flick. I'm not crazy mad about the series like some of my friends are, but I do enjoy it, and its format of not being on TV all the time has really worked for it, unlike other long-running shounen shows like Bleach, Naruto, the the big ones, etc. And these long-running ones can be really difficult to get into, so I've kind of appreciated the... My Hero Academia approach of having, say, two core, 24 episodes or whatever, then having, having like a six month, a year break, then coming back for more. It just really cuts out the filler. While the film, from what I hear, is the filler part. So this is what you would have got um, in the series if it had continued on forever but yeah um, that's My Hero Academia. Fates Day Night Heavensfield Presage Flower? Um, I'm quite into Fates Day Night um, although I haven't seen all of it. Um, I kind of got into the franchise with uh, Prisma Ilya then from there uh, basically went into Unlimited Blowworks. So I know all the key concepts, I know all the key characters um, but with Heaven's Feel, I'm... yeah, give me it. Give me more Fate Stay Night. Um, I will get around to watching uh, Fate Zero and the original uh, Fate Stay Night eventually but um, yeah, just give me it really. The other two franchise films are Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt December Sky and Bandit Flower. Now, Andrew Partridge has talked about how he was interested in showing these when they were doing the Order From Us, um, the Japanese Blu-rays, and we'll import them for you. They've done that for Unicorn, and they've done that for Gundam Thunderbolt at the uh, Anime Limited web shop. So it's not a surprise to see them here. But um, I think they're being lined up for the next in-between Gundam release uh, before they get around to putting out whatever TV series is coming next so having them at the festival kind of promotes them uh, before they get to that I, th- I think they are coming soon so even if you don't see uh, the films at the festival you'll be able to own them normally in the UK very shortly so yeah, massively looking forward to this, not just because it is one of the best Gundam things since Unicorn, but also because of its amazing soundtrack. Someone that Sunrise and Bandai and Namco evidently really likes jazz, because it's just epic jazz, and all the battles are backed by epic jazz, and it's like, yes, give me that jazz. But yeah, for those of you who don't know where Thunderbolt sits, it's kind of like a side story roughly in between the ending section of the original Gundam and the beginning section of Zeta Gundam. Focusing on a group of Earth Federation troops and a group of Xeon forces battling out in the ruined junkyard of the colony Side 4, which due to the electrical storms from all the broken spaceships and stuff like that, has become known as the Thunderbolt sector. There's an AS mobile super pilot on each side, and the first part told in December Sky sets up this intense rivalry between them. It's gritty, it's action-packed, and it's definitely more ambitious than some of the more recent Gundam TV series, which is surprising with its release being like, direct to internet. So, like, if you, like me, couldn't get into Iron Blood Orphans, um, which I didn't particularly think much of. Um I know it was like written by Mario Karto, um, but Okada's themes of like relationships and stuff like that, like they didn't really fit well with the Gundam Universe and um being very much focused on kids, like I I know like really Gundam always focuses on like the hero being quite relatively young compared to the rest of the cast but even here like with IBO focusing on the kids just didn't really do it for me but yeah um, I think if you didn't like that then you'll definitely feel more at home with Thunderbolt December Sky is screening at both Glasgow and Edinburgh um, Band of Flower is only screened in Edinburgh after the main weekend on the 23rd of October which is a shame as I really would have liked to see that in the cinema but apparently um, it just fell off the schedule, they didn't have the room to fade in unfortunately but sometimes just the way things go. With Andrew also owning Anime Limited as well as being Festival Director we get to see some of the ethos behind the anime distributor with the push on classic titles. We have two classic films for this year. Cyber City Oedo 808, which I don't know much about and don't have much interest in, and therefore won't be seen, but apparently it has a so bad it's good English dub, and Jinro the Wolf Brigade. Jinro takes the same slot as Metropolis, Uh, last year, and I'm hoping it does have a lot more going for me than Metropolis did. Metropolis I found too slow and was frankly boring, which isn't the kind of thing you want in the last film of the festival. It did send me to sleep at one point, embarrassingly, Um, but yeah, um, I I didn't really like Metropolis. Um, It was... Just a bore fest for me. But if you're interested in seeing these, Cyber City 808 is at both Edinburgh and Glasgow, while Jinro is only at Edinburgh. There are two films in the festival that are basically unknowns, and I honestly hadn't heard of them before. Smaller anime films often don't get talked about as much in the West, so this is a case of... It actually been good to showcase this type of stuff. These two films are at Ember only and are Calamity of a Zombie Girl from Gonzo and "High Karasan Here Comes Miss Modern from Nippon Animation. Calamity of a Zombie Girl has Blood Plus writer Ryō Ikahata behind its story, but the director Hideaki Iwami doesn't seem to have done much else, so I'm not sure how this one is going to go down. Uh, but it's about a zombie girl battling a bunch of students in the university. Um could have a humorous B movie type feel to it, but uh other than that, uh I don't see much to say about this really. Um well just, it's it's supposed to be like a proper horror film, so We'll get to see how that works out. More interesting here High Haikara-san, which is the first movie in the duo bringing the classic shoujo anime and manga to the big screen. Um, it's directed by Gundam Unicorn director Kazuhiro Furuhashi. And this is really good because I really like Gundam Unicorn. And... Um, I'm all in for a bit of shoujo stuff now and then and it's a genre that I'm always willing to explore more of and like, having the Gundam Unicorn director attached to it just really piques my interest so of these two, I'd earmark Mark as a potential, well, not sleeper hit but perhaps biggest surprise Talking about directors we have two director Q&A's with Be The Beginning, with Kazuto Nakazawa in Glasgow and *Blim* with Jack Liang in Edinburgh. I can't say much about the anime here apart from that they are both Netflix things. But uh, the Jack Liang one should be very interesting as Polygon Pictures is perhaps the only big Japanese animation studio doing full 3D CGI films, and they've become known for their particular CGI style. Japanese CGI is still years behind Western CGI in both talent and the amount of money involved, so I think it'll be fascinating to get some behind the scenes info on all of that. So even if you've seen Blim on Netflix, do come along to that, to the q and I think it's going to be really interesting. And that's about it for this uh, preview of SLA 2018. It does promise to be an excellent weekend again and I'm really looking forward to it. Not just for the films, but for just meeting people as well. I know like uh, last year we had what was basically an Aikatsu fan meetup. so I'm hoping we can do that again and get everybody together and uh, talk about Aikatsu for a bit, because hey, that's what I do. (laughs) Anyway, that's, yeah, that's uh, Scotland's Anime 2018 coming at you in Glasgow from the 12th to the 14th of October. That's at uh, the Glasgow Film Theatre and in Edinburgh from the 15th to the 21st of October and that's at the Edinburgh Filmhouse. Now we jump into Idle Time, the section of the podcast focused on those all-important Idle activities. If you know me personally, I'm obsessed with Aikatsu and while this section does focus on other artists I do speak about Aikatsu related topics in this section a lot. If you did not know, for the most part the old Aikatsu idol groups no longer do live performances. I see it for the most part as they've just done one this month as part of the final celebration of Aikatsu's 5th anniversary. But largely, the members of Aikatsu Stars and Star Anis have moved on. What's interesting, though, is what they've moved on to. The vast majority have not moved away from entertainment, and still use Stage as their management company. But some of the idols have gone in different directions than others. I think I mentioned on the podcast previously about Mona Tomiyama, who went off on her own in, like... Oh, 2016 I think it was, and uh, started an indie career before being picked up by Universal to do the opening for the live-action adaptation of Kagegarui. Um Of course, you've got Waka, Furi and Risco of Styrness, um and they have Mia Regina now, uh, with them being quite a successful unit focusing on taking an older 90s style of J-pop and trying to adapt it for today as well as doing like their song work uh, for example they're doing the ending theme to Senran Kagura Shinobi* vs um, uh, the anime for that which is due to start uh, in the next 2-3 weeks so yeah if you like me Regina um, there you go, you've got another ending song to buy. Well, I've got another ending song to buy. But yeah, uh, really support me, Regina, and uh, always buy uh, their, their releases whenever they come up. But yeah, uh, these are just two specific success stories. But after the end of Aikatsu Stars, uh, we're seeing the idols in that specific group. Take different leaps and bounds and go all over the, all over the place, really. Luca, um, who provided the singing voice for Akari and Stars and their uh, and Friends, is focusing on her acting with her appearing in their theatre productions. While still dear stage managed, her departure from the Aikatsu was particularly more final. With her specifically graduating from the group after this year's music festa, while they hoped she would continue with her singing, and like I'm surprised she took this route specifically, I'm definitely pleased for her in that she's getting to explore something different. For the rest of the stars group, I'm not quite sure what Mickey is doing, but she is still tied with Dear Stage as far as I know, but. Uh, We do have a couple of pairings that's formed out of stars with Nanase teaming up with Rhea and Senna teaming up with Miho. Nanase in particular seemed the most keen about continuing singing, which I fully support as she's an absolutely amazing singer. It's oddly Senna and Miho that have got the jump ahead as they've teamed up and blasted out a couple of songs on CD before Nanase and Rhea have got there despite like those latter two having a couple of live shows before um, this whole Mina unit actually came about um, which Senna and Miho are now in and they've cleverly made up the name of the unit out of parts of their names with Mi from Miho and Na from Senna so, that, I, I really like that. That's pretty neat. But, yeah, as I say, they've got two songs out, which you can buy for pretty cheap on the dear stage on my store. I think they're about 1,000 yen each or something like that. And uh, they both come with, uh, I think it's just one song. But, yeah, I, th- I think it's just one song. And then you've got the instrumental version attached to that. So, yeah. um, So... Despite these being like long songs, they're still cheap enough to justify the uh, purchase. It's actually a slight departure from the Aikatsu stuff, as it's a lot more cutesy than uh, the Aikatsu stuff is. Um, almost sickly sweet, actually, uh, particularly in the first one. Um, so I bought their first single, uh, Miracle Camaranida, and while it's alright, it often feels a little strained, like they're just trying too hard to a. make a good impression and b. try this like really cutie style out, which um, doesn't quite work out particularly for Miho. The unit's second effort, Sayonara no Kisetsu, is a lot better both vocally and musically. It's still very light, but it's less try-hard and more natural for both of them. Musically, it has some Aikatsu influence as well. This this is interesting. The composition is by Connie. And Connie has done a few Aikatsu tracks. When you take a look through the entire Aikatsu library, they've, they've done a few. So yeah, while the... Aikatsu Train moves on and tries to become closer to Tatsunoko's Pretty franchise with um, Aikatsu Friends taking an approach of using the same people for both the voice acting and the singing. Um, The old singers from Star Anis and Aikatsu Stars are still at it, working really hard trying to be idols. It's definitely a tough job in an oversaturated market but I will still continue to support them all, no matter where they end up. Now it's time for the Game Brain, and we're looking at some of the announcements surrounding this year's Tokyo Game Show. Tokyo Game Show is Japan's biggest trade show and gaming convention, and while it's not as big as it used to be in the pre-mobile era, it's still the best opportunity for Japanese developers to tout their games to the Japanese media and consumers. These days you've got the likes of E3, Gamescom and EGX that cater to Western audiences, so a lot of AAA and Western developers don't place as much uh, importance on it. For those of us interested in Japanese games though, it's often a great show. I went myself in 2015 and really enjoyed it, despite the massive crowds and limited time available to actually play games. But if this is your thing, despite those massive queues and the limited time you have, I'd still definitely recommend going to this. In the run-up to TGS, we have both Sony's PlayStation Lineup up Tour event, where they presented some trailers, as well as the highly anticipated Chibi-Robo on Fire anticipated Nintendo Direct. Sony's presentations have took on a weird stance over the last couple of years with them trying to make E3 more and more of an exclusive event that always seems to disappoint and this continued with TGS this year, not that was disappointing, but in this particular event being a kind of a spectacle um, kind of thing no, not quite as much as E3 but they've done this strange thing where they simulated a spaceship not just any spaceship welcome to good old spaceship shock. while in reality this is like Put in a small event space in their uh, Ropongi's Tokyo Midtown. You had this like theatre in a the room with the screens angled, like cockpit windows, and the video presentation pretended you were inside this spaceship as it visited different galaxies, which were the games effectively. It had a weird flow to it and some of the transitions and the trailers were badly cut. But for the most part, you know, it wasn't really too bad. It at least brought the games, unlike E3, where it was a small selection, and they kind of pinned each game as its own spectacle, as I was saying earlier. Um, But yeah, like... You had announcements, like Project Awakening from side games, which didn't really show much about, but that's a thing that's coming. Uh, you've got Project Prelude Rune, uh, Kingdom Hearts VR Experience, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered, all from Square Enix. And You've got things like Judge Eyes or Project Judge, uh, and Space Channel 5 VR, which is special huge surprise seeing that in vr uh, from sega um but yeah there's lots of other different announcements as well um not going to go too much into detail on those as there's plenty of stuff on the internet and i'm not just going to repeat it there but uh for the feel of the conference itself uh well wasn't really conference more presentation um yeah not bad not bad at all it, it got the games out that uh, we're being focused at TGS which was the whole point of it and it's something that Sony really needs as we're basically at the end of the PlayStation 4 era with PlayStation 5 wallets where we know that developers have dev kits they're making games that potentially cross-platform PS4, PS5 um, depending on how current projects go, some may slip into PS5 territory. But yeah, we know this next generation is on the way, whether that's 2020, or if it's going to be Christmas holiday 2019, who knows? But we're at the end of the PlayStation 4 era. And at the end of this console lifecycle, we're getting less less big games from Sony first party and it's more of a focus on third party at the moment so yeah showing these games off at TGS was critical for Sony's twin setting up Sony's like 2019 early 2019 so PlayStation players have at least got something there to play for 2019 before the imminent arrival of the PlayStation 5 but anyway, enough about consoles back to games and then like yeah there was some good stuff there um, the particular one that I want to focus on is uh, Judge Eyes or uh, this uh, Project Judge as it's been called for now in the West um, as it was definitely the most interesting Developed by the team behind the Yakuza series. It's a spin-off that introduces detective-style gameplay into the mix with the classic Yakuza-style gameplay. Um, The detective stuff... um, It reminded me kind of a bit of... Is Tony? A little bit. um, Like you seem to have to go around and investigate different crimes and like stuff to do with evidence and stuff like that and um like from this is just from what they showed at the trailer this thing um but yeah then afterwards you were like Roman have found this the city and you were... In combat and stuff like that so it looks like to be an interesting mix of the two well I haven't actually played any of the Yakuza games before I always hear a lot of people singing their praises so this is definitely one to keep an eye on There's, yeah so the PlayStation event was pretty okay and um, there was some other stuff at this event as well but as I said, I'm not going to go into it too much you can check the internet for that but yeah That's basically it for the big hitters at this one. Then we had the Nintendo Direct, which was supposed to be before the Sony thing, but was respectfully delayed due to the earthquake that happened in Hokkaido. No problem with that, and huge props to Nintendo for doing so, but it did mean that some stuff in the presentation got revealed before it actually went out. We were still in for a cracker though, as we got some... Absolutely amazing announcements. First off, not only was Luigi's time in the Castlevania Smash trailer an absolute stroke of genius, it was also a teaser of what was to come, as Luigi's Mansion 3 was revealed with Luigi having the new poltergust vacuum that we saw in that trailer. It looks to be adopting a similar style to Dark Moon, but in full HD this time and probably done by next level games, who seem to have the series in their hands at the moment. I haven't played Darkmoon, but I have high hopes for this being another solid entry in the series. After a little bit about 3DS games, which included uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn port, sounds good, we got our Splatoon 2 update news all about the changed Splatfests and end of support for the game. It's a bit sad that we won't get any more content after the end of the year for what is basically an evergreen title but having all this for free has really been nice. A lot of other games would just charge you endless DLC and season passes and you must subscribe for content but Splatoon 2 hasn't done that and I really appreciate that. It is of course still a great game to play and to be honest looking at uh, upcoming Splatfest for next year. I'm really hoping for Squid Sisters versus Off the Hook for that final one uh, next June. New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe got revealed, which practically the entire world expected thanks to all the rumors that's been going around and while the game itself is pretty much as expected with the base game package with new Super Luigi U, it's a certain item that has really set the world on fire. The Super Crown transforms Toadette into Peachette, a Peach version of Toad, and while this raises questions on Peach's existence, how she actually came to the throne in the first place, its use for a Bowserified version of Peach in Bowsette has just taken the internet by storm. It's hilarious, and it's seeing all these images and stuff like that. It's always great, uh, these types of things. Same with the Chibi Robo on Fire thing. Like, It just shows the love that the fans have for this and how they can really appreciate this often bizarre games company. And bizarre they remain, as they still can't get online right in 2018. I'm not going to go into the whole Nintendo Switch Online situation other than saying it's bad. The NES games aren't worth it, and this all should still be free. That's my opinion. There you go. For the rest of the presentation we already knew about games like Pokemon, Super Mario Party, Diablo 3, Demon X Machina, but we did get to see both in Starlink, with that game ever looking more like a proper Star Fox game than an actual Star Fox game. Yoshi's Crafted World, which was leaked by the Nintendo website and a confirmation of Civilization 6 after that was leaked on their website as well uh, You've got Game Freak's Town, which was a nice surprise as it's always nice to see them doing stuff outside of Pokemon even if their like lesser titles aren't quite as popular Hopefully they'll be able to add this quaint little RPG to titles like Drilldozer Tembo the Badass Elephant and Harmonite uh, to a list of games that uh, Pokemon fans should play outside of Pokemon. Like, Pokemon must consume so much of the developers time that I'm surprised they get the chance to do stuff like this. But it must feel a breath of fresh air when they actually do. Katamori Demasi Reroll was also a nice surprise. I certainly didn't see it coming, but if my experience with the Vita game was anything to go by, this will be a nice fit for the Switch. For those who don't know the series, it's like a puzzle game where you have to gather objects into this great big ball of stuff to make it grow to a specific size before the timer runs out. It's very weird, very Japanese, and a lot of fun. So, I think I'll be picking that one up myself. <laughs> then we had the big Final Fantasy blowout. Square Enix is more of a multi-platform developer now and they seem to want their games to be on everything as they're bringing over Final Fantasy 7, 9, 10, 10-2, 12 Zodiac Age, 15 Pocket Edition, Crystal Chronicles Remastered World of Final Fantasy Maxima and Ch- Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon Everybody man just reading really off that list that's a lot of Final Fantasy stuff. Wow. To be honest, I, I, I think it's a huge deal to have what were considered PlayStation exclusives on an Nintendo platform. Like, the two companies had a rocky relationship from, well, the mid-90s to, guess, the early 2000s. Which only really started to clear with Crystal Chronicles and... To finally see it patched up like this is just incredible. Sure, we've had like two Crystal Chronicle games. Got, like the Tactics games. Some of the early Snares Final Fantasy ports on GBA and DS. Like we even got like Revenant Wings, which was like a sequel to Twelve. But these are the mainline games and that's really something. But then finish off we got Isabel and Smash and a new Animal Crossing. Isabelle and Smash wasn't as much of a surprise as some of the other character reveals as we kind of get that they're using the Me costumes from Smash 4 as proper fighters now but this was just really nice to see. She's not an Echo fighter either uh, and I was so sure that she was gonna be one. Like, I, I guess it fits that Her moves will be different to villagers, but the way they've termed Echo Fighters is that they're the same character, but with slightly altered attributes and moves, so I don't quite get why Isabelle isn't an Echo Fighter, but I guess she's more of an Echo Fighter in the term of a a clone like uh, Dr. Mario is to Mario. Um, But yeah, very pleased about that. And then you've got Animal Crossing on Switch for uh next year and like 2019 is looking like it could be an absolutely awesome year for the switch and after what you would say is a disappointing 2018 on the first party front it definitely needs it i will not be surprised if some things get delayed to 2020 like when you've got BO3 and Metroid Prime 4 one of those may drop to 2020 it's like there's still a lot of big titles that could be massive in 2019 and i'm sure that's going to be a great improvement over this year moving on to tokyo game show itself and there was a lot going on with many companies doing live streams over both the two business days and the two public days as such it will be impossible to go over everything that's happened but I'll just mention a couple of highlights. The uh, strongest live streams I found seem to be Bandai Namco, Sega and Square Enix. Bandai Namco had a lot of their upcoming mobile stuff which I wasn't really that interested in, but they did show off Soul Calibur 6 and God Eater 3. Soul Calibur 6 we already know a lot about, But it was the God Eater section that really grabbed my attention. The series has been on my periphery for a while now and I really liked what I saw here. Um, It's kind of a more RPG-ified Monster Hunter, if you can imagine that. So I'm definitely interested in this one and I may look at picking up uh, some of the past games. Though, like, um, God Eater 2 you can get for pretty cheap now and that's on PS4, so I could pick that up at some point They also had a stream for the Japan Tekken Pro Championships and as my favourite fighting game at the moment is Tekken uh, it's just good fun to watch like, on demand and just have that in the background and watch some uh, exciting Tekken matches Sega came out strong with Yakuza Online, the MMO version of Yakuza Uh, They had Project Judge, Team Sonic Racing and Valkyria Chronicles 4 I've got my firmly on Team Sonic Racing as a lover of card games, but you know, I don't know about this one to be honest Transformed was a great game um, and I really liked it but losing the other Sega licenses and restricting it to just Sonic is kind of lessening both like the appeal and the creative imagination on the show a lot of the tracks just look bland and boring and i'm just not sure what the whole team mechanic does even from like what they've shown in videos and stuff like that but yeah it looks like it may be falling to the next year now so we'll see how it is when it actually releases they also had a lot of promotion from Atlas uh, for Persona, uh, they not only have like the dancing games which are coming out soon, but uh, they've got the Persona 5 anime on the go, so they're doing a few things tied into that. Uh, we got a short live uh, concert from Lynn, who does a lot of the game's songs and the uh, themes for the anime. I've really gotten into break in to break out while watching that, so it was good hearing that broadcast live. Square Enix had a lot of stuff on stream, got like Kingdom Hearts 3, Final Fantasy XIV, World Ends With You Final Remix, and The Last Remnant Remastered. The latter was announced after they pulled the Steam version of the original game off the Steam store, and it came as a surprise, as it's one of Square Enix's less loved rpgs due to the unorthodox battle system like it's turn-based but it splits you and your enemy uh, into different units called unions and these are comprised of um, three to five characters and you're selecting an actions for each unit rather than individual attacks for each character honestly i didn't get very far with the 360 version but i remember it being quite enjoyable um, I didn't actually use my 360 that much so unfortunately i never got like the full experience of the game due to that i may consider picking this one up <laughs> looking at the comparison videos it doesn't seem like much has changed other than better textures better lighting and going from like 720p which was the 360's native resolution to 1080p um i'm not sure if it's 4k or not I haven't checked that but uh, if it is, well, there you go Uh, Full HD Last Remnant, there you go Uh, But yeah, this was my first Square Enix RPG so I guess it would be nice to revisit it and actually finish it this time Outside of games, Square Enix were fronting everything with Gems Company What is Gems Company, you might ask? Well. Well, this is a virtual idol group which is kind of a big thing for me as it's produced by none other than Dear stage and I'm all about Dear stage at the moment. Not they've I don't think they've done any songs yet but uh, they do seem to have come off the back of the virtual YouTuber creators that's been spawned off the likes of Kisner I and other people like that. There's 11 of these virtual idols in the group, and they're voiced by new recruits and some existing dea talent There's not really a lot of info about them yet, and I haven't worked out who the existing dea talent are But this is definitely worth keeping an eye on Sony's main thing of course was uh, Death Stranding, with Hideo Kojima gracing the PlayStation stage with his glorious presence It's going to be fascinating when this game actually comes out as I don't think anyone but Kojima actually knows what this is The existing in-game footage of Norman Reedus walking around with his backpack and the baby has a lot of people confused as there's nothing really there from what Kojima is known for with Metal Gear It looks to me like a story-based open-world survival game, but that's just a guess But yeah, I, I guess we'll see what this actually is when we have it in the hands, hopefully, sometime next year So that was basically me watching Tokyo Game Show stuff at home and on lunch breaks at work uh, Thankfully a lot of this is on YouTube so I'm still going through a lot of it But I feel like those were the highlights Japan is a Heavy mobile market now, so there's an ever-increasing amount of your Japanese gacha-style games there But I'll say at the beginning of this section, if you're into Japanese games It's still worth giving a look if you're heading to Japan during TGS time uh, For reference, it is usually held on the third weekend of September every year at the Makahari mess in Makahari Chiba prefecture Which is about a 30-minute train ride from central Tokyo we are slowly approaching the end of this podcast but before we go it's time to take a look at what has been happening on the website i've been trying to dedicate more time to manga recently and i've been making my way through card sakura clear card i've put a review up of volume two of the manga which i said starts building in plot elements that would seem crucial to a big climax of course with the anime being far ahead of what's currently available of the manga at the moment Uh, those who have seen that will know where this is going to uh, that kind of point but it's been enjoyable reading through and seeing stuff that i've seen the anime again um i think was either in volume three or four they do touch on some anime exclusive content and i find it interesting to compare the two to find where they differ I also posted up a first opinion of Shoujo Kageki review Starlight, an anime which has gone on to be one of the best of the season. It's very idle and magical girl inspired, which it's two genres I really like and it kind of has some inspiration from Madoka there as well. As you can tell from the piece, it's definitely one I'd recommend jumping into. And then we have my top 10 songs in Aikatsu Stars which follows on from my top 10 songs in Aikatsu. I've basically selected my top 10 favourite tracks from Stars and gone into why I like them. I wouldn't say there's any surprises in there as my picks are mostly the popular ones which to be honest kind of shows why they should be in this top 10 in the first place. Anyway, have a read of that. I'll end up doing Aikatsu Friends probably when that finishes. But yeah, that's way far in the future. And that's basically it for the site for now. Coming up on the site soon enough will be a review of Mario Odyssey, as I have a lot I want to say about that game. I will say now, those reviews at launch were riding on the hype just a bit too much. That just about wraps things up then. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this month's podcast. We have a lot more on the website, just head over to genkicubboard.co.uk for reviews and articles on anime, manga, games, Japanese music and more. Don't forget you can get in touch at any time by tweeting at cupboard or by visiting our Facebook page. I usually do these podcasts every couple of months or so, so I'm planning on doing the next one in November with a full proper look at Scotland Loves Anime. Until then... It's goodbye for me. I'll see you next time.